We're going to meet the father. We're going to spend some time with a nobody. Ellie and Abby are meeting Ellie's dead aunt. And we're going to encounter the saga of Danny Hernandez. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Offscreen, guys. Another week. And, you know, we're pleased to say there are more and more movies that you can watch on the big screen. So we've got four whopping big releases for you. Plus, of course, all of your favourite movies on TV. And, as a bonanza, your home entertainment and video on demand too. So what is not to love? Stick with us for the next hour or so. And we'll be here with lots of great movies for you. Kicking off with, and I'm not sure we can say this with a straight face because we'll be laughing off air. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you're so childish. 69, The Saga of Danny Hernandez. See, I did it. <laughs> right. Do you, do you offhandedly know what this is about? Absolutely not. <laughs> right. Okay. I didn't. And obviously the title is very misleading. I was, I was quite let down. I was quite let down to discover it is, in fact, a documentary about Takeshi69, the rapper, or Takeshi69, or Danny, Danny Hernandez. Um, you, I don't know if you've encountered this story. He's not really that known a commodity in the UK, but he's a sort of no. edgelord social media rapper out of the US. I think he's from uh, Bushwick in Brooklyn. And uh, he sort of made his bones on shock value. That was his whole thing. He's only about... He's in his early 20s still. He's only about maybe mid-20s now. He has just recently been let out of prison during the pandemic because of, obviously, the certain conditions that prisoners are, are, are being subjected to during uh, COVID. It's for safety reasons a lot of being let go. He um, gained notoriety when he was taken to trial and ratted on he, all of his fellow gang members and he became known as the one who ratted which oh, you will hear in this documentary which uh comes to us from Vikram Gandhi uh, which I mean to be honest with you I said it was a dis it was a disappointment learning that it wasn't what the title implied I can say though it is a very gripping one as you'll hear here gangs have always played a very big part in all of our lives the bandana was the biggest prop he could ever use I right thing is he really a blood <laughs> Come on, you gotta go, you gotta go. This is a use-use game. If you don't wanna get used, get the up. He was doing something that should put his life at risk on a weekly basis. Everybody gets shot, boom, boom, boom. In Brooklyn, Takashi 69 was arrested today and faces a 47-year prison sentence. Takashi figured out, let me work with the feds on this. He feared for his life. Takashi, these guys could shoot me or kill me at any time. When you say sort of shock value on this, mm. What do you mean by that? Right, so, uh, you know what, you heard in that clip, there's a moment I said, oh, the bandana was the greatest accessory he could ever have. This is the thing, he was equal parts uh, rapper and equal parts sort of wannabe fashion icon and online troll and, you know, oversized prankster, wannabe Scarface. And one of the things about that fashion bit was he would design his own clothing. And he would deliberately go, and then they, they talk about it a lot, the fact that he went entirely for shock value. So he would walk down the street wearing like big black t-shirts, baggy black t-shirts with in big, bold, white letters, things like HIV on them and things like that. And, and stuff that I can't repeat for broadcasting legality reasons on air. There's, there's, there's a lot of harsh, harsh language used in this one, as you can imagine. Um, this is, though, a very good dog. I think if you, if, if most of us in this country are not going to know an awful lot about Takeshi 69, if you do, then congratulations, you're cooler than me. I sort of knew of him, didn't really know the story. I knew about the, the having ratted on, on his fellow gang things, because obviously that, that briefly hit the social media scape around the time. Uh, this is, as I say, 
a, a mashup of a sort of investigative doc with some very cool rap stylings and Scarface, effectively. Because <laughs> you've got this character that just wants to be Scarface, except he's a real guy. I mean, he's a very unlikable human being. He's the, yeah. You'll have actually physically seen him. He is the guy that has 69 tattooed on his forehead. Yeah, I think and, I... Yeah, because hmm. I think, like, so, so my next, my follow-up question to you about this is, he's not as well-known here in the UK. No. But do, is it compelling enough for us, us to want to learn more about him? Absolutely. It absolutely is. And that, for me, is the key to the success of this. Say, like I knew of him, didn't know the story entirely, but it worked for me. I think it was gripping. I think it had energy. It had a lot of swagger and a lot of style. They do this entire opening credit sequence where all the opening credits are actually tattooed on human flesh. And it's uh, in reference to the oh. fact that this guy just went really out there with the tattoos and the hair colouring and things. But it's, I thought it was quite a well-made dog. I, I think yeah. it had a lot going for it. I, I would recommend it at any rate. But speaking of things we've got to recommend, let, let's let's move on because we know we want to talk about this one, Bex. What are we going oh, for? Oh, yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about Nobody, which is um, in cinemas now. Um, first thing I'm going to tell you, it's only an hour and a half long. So it's a really good time frame to, to go and sit and enjoy something that's going to be like quite wham-bam in your face is all I'm going to say about this. So uh, we've got Emmy Award winner Bob Odenkirk. Um, you'll recognise him from Better Call Saul. Uh, he plays a guy called Hutch Mansell, a man who is pretty much overlooked as both a dad and a husband. And then one night, a break-in happens at his house and he does nothing to defend his family. Um, mm. And his son is kind of really disappointed in him because of that. And so our son and son and everyone else in the well, world, I think, else, like, they really berate him. Yeah, most importantly to him, it's his son, right? And yeah. because of all this, suddenly, a long simmering rage is triggered. Hey, how about we all head to Italy this summer? We've always talked about going back. It would be wonderful, because yeah. you know Rome is where mom and dad met. You know mom and dad fell in love. Everybody get to the basement. What? Right now. Let's go. Move. What is Move. What, what, right what's now. Hutch, you're scaring go. me. What is going on? Get the door, on? son. Is this a game? Yes, is this a game, Hutch? I like games. Hutch, what is happening? Don't call 911. This is the best time I have had in a movie since Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor eight months ago at the London Film Festival. No joke. I this was this a lot was of fun. Yeah. So much fun. Absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> when you said Breaking Dad, you, you thought uh, from Breaking Bad. I'm starting in playing no, 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 a broken dad. Sword. He's gone. He's gone from Breaking Bad to Broken Dad, effectively, which I quite love. <laughs> Was he in Breaking Bad or was it Better Call Saul? I thought it was Better Call Saul. I don't know. Uh, Better Call Saul is a spin-off to Breaking Bad. It's like oh, a prequel. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The character is introduced in Breaking Bad. The character is introduced in, I think, the second or third season of Breaking Bad. Saul oh, Goodman. I have seen it. And then you get the, the prequel that's introduced, that shows you how he and, I think, Mike, the cop, uh, got together. And do you, do you watch yeah. Better Call Saul, but you've not seen Breaking Bad? No, no, no. I've not seen either. Oh, so. oh I, I, I recommend uh, Breaking Bad. I've never quite gotten into Better Call Saul. But this, if I was going to call it anything, I would call it Jeff Wick because I mean it's yeah. from the writer yeah, yeah it's from the writer of, of John Wick it's from the director of Hardcore Henry first of all if you ask any dyed in the wool action fanatic like me any one of us 
ask them to give you their top 10 action movies of the last decade, odds are John Wick and Hardcore Henry will be in that top 10. So the idea of mashing the two of them up, brilliant. This is actually set in the John Wick universe, incidentally. They right. do set that up. There are offhand little acknowledgements that this is in the John Wick universe. So first of all, I love this. Give me nine sequels and a crossover. What do you reckon, Gwen? Well, no, I was going to say, I wasn't sure whether to mention mm. John Wick in this, because what we're being quite careful about is we don't want to ruin any surprises mm, for you yeah, guys. So, you know, we're being quite coy with what we're saying here. From my point of view, I think you get from the poster... A the poster's bit of, not subtle, is it? Yeah, it's not subtle. So that slightly ruins it for me, uh, mm. slightly, because I actually love the surprise elements to this. Um, I think um, Bridget Nielsen is in this as a bit of a... As, as uh, a Co bit Connie, of a, Connie Nielsen. Connie Nielsen, sorry, Connie Nielsen is in very, this. Very, diff very different yeah, Nielsen's, really although different. they have about the same accent, don't they? This di that didn't feel right when I said it, but thank you for correcting me on that. <laughs> I, wa I want to see Bridget Nielsen in one of these now. <laughs> um, no, Connie Nielsen. I think it's quite a like a shame she's not given more to do mm. in this, but maybe that sets her up for future sort of... It's a bit uh, thankless, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit of a thankless role, which is a shame because she's great. Connie, not mm. Bridget. Um, <laughs> but both Bridget's all right. Bridget's okay. Um, but yeah, I, didn't know, like, I don't know who Bob Odenkirk is is i've never seen him in anything and so for me like the first the, the the point in which we've explained to you in the synopsis mm. is kind of where i was like well where's this gonna go and then it sucker punches me and i had a wild ride and for an hour and 30 i wanted to put that time frame in it because mm. when films do things really well they do it in a sh they know they can do it in a short time frame and they can just you know it's not too it's not too long and arduous it actually was just right so yeah, it's less. It's not intense. It's super fun. It's a great trip to the cinema to go and see this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna end by picking up on the on the back of that comment about the, the pacing of because I was really impressed with how this was written for pacing. There was a montage very very early on in the film, and it's about three minutes long. This montage, and we experience a complete month in the life of our lead character. We learn literally everything there is to know about this man's daily life. And I just thought this was absolutely brilliantly well done. It's fun, it's romping, it's got energy, it's got gristle, it's got nerve, mm. but also it is quite compact, it's quite tight, quite densely put together, it, it, it moves. This thing does not sit still. No. But at the same time, you don't feel like it's sparing on character development or, no. or on, or on you know, deep, deeper writing. Um, I can give you my honest opinion of what conceptually I think this is based on. And I, I mean, away. don't give anything. I, I'm, I'm just going to say there's a certain Cronenberg film, or what would happen if you made a certain Denzel movie funny. That's what I would say with this one. And if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what movies I'm talking about. Yeah. But I, it's, I don't want to spoil it. It's so good. Just see it. It is so, so much fun. I think this is going to be. I wouldn't say as far as a sleeper hit because mm. but I actually, because it hasn't got any big names to it, I think people might overlook this at the cinema, but if you do see it, book in. You'll have a wild ride and it'll be super fun. Welcome back to Off Screen, and we've obviously brought you a few, a good documentary and a kick-ass movie in part one. And now we're moving on to part two. We've got two big offerings, one of which was a big contender and winner 
at this year's Oscars. But let's kick off with Ellie and Abby and Ellie's dead aunt. No, I'm not just talking about people joining us in the podcast. That is actually the name of a movie. Um, it is a movie that both, well, Van said to me, you've got to catch this, right? Because it's like Booksmart meets Australian Drop Dead Fred. And I was like, that was it, oh, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> so, but why didn't you explain? You, I think you took to this a lot more than I did, um, having seen it. But it, let's explain what it's all about. So, uh, this is the first film uh, from writer-director Monica Zanetti, who, I think this was just explained to you, was a writer on Tonightly, which for a short time was basically Australia's sort of kind of combination of The Daily Show and Saturday Night yeah. Live. She's making her feature debut with this one. It's about um, a about a, a teenage girl, imaginatively enough, named Ellie. There is also another one named Abby, and there is also a dead aunt, so it's not just a clever title. Um, Ellie, discuss, Ellie basically realises, she has the realisation, this high school age teenage girl has the realisation she is a gay girl. And she's going to ask out who she, uh, someone that she believes is a fellow gay girl at school to the the, the big school dance. However, in order to boost Not her confidence, a formal, <laughs> a formal, a formal. Yes. Well, I said dance, didn't I? But, yeah. um, in Australia, it's a point there in the film, isn't it, where they get where the, the teacher goes. This isn't America. It's not a prom. It's a formal. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the that's the kind of humour I love about it. But in order to give her the, the the sort of guidance she needs to work her way through this self discovery and to ask out Abby, well, help comes in the form of Ellie's dead aunt, a uh, a, 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 acti- a lesbian activist from the 1980s who's been dead for some time, who appears to Ellie as, for lack of a better term, the ghost of gayness past, effectively. And we are told that the universe has a policy of sending dead gay relatives to help out their gay ancestors to basically make the journey of self-discovery. Look, if anyone should be upset, it's me. How would you feel if your own niece didn't recognise you? How would you feel if a strange woman showed up in your bathroom claiming to be your dead aunt? Well, I wouldn't have hid in the shower. The door was right there. You should probably go check on your mum. She's been ranting for like an hour now. Firstly, the only reason that the dead aunt can actually show herself after all these years is because finally Ellie admits that she's gay mm. and that's the trigger point in which she but she's been there all along she's followed Ellie's journey and has always known that yeah that comes gay. up doesn't it yeah yeah it does um look I think this is a good film I feel like from a production value point of view it felt like it was sli- it's slightly lower budget it felt like it was kind of made for tv in a way it was there was something for me I get very pernickety about the grading and the cinematography on this and it felt very kind of basic in a way whereas like book smart there's something that you know and, and I was directly compar- comparing this and Van this is your That's fault my fault this is massively your fault. You, you Massively you, mine, totally. Because I basically, I, I text Van and I said, cool, I've seen The Father and I've seen Nobody. And he was like, I'd highly recommend seeing this movie because it's like Booksmart meet, meets, um, you know, Australians do, uh, Drop Dead Fred, two of which are my favourite movies. So therefore my expectations oh. were really high. And I just Sorry. didn't, I just didn't hit those heights with this because there's just little things that niggled on me. I think the performances were good. I didn't think the comedy was as sharp as it could have been, but it's, 
you know, it's not Summer Heights High. You know, if I'm thinking of an Aussie comedy, I'm kind of thinking of Summer Heights High in a way. And I know that's completely grotesque, but <laughs> like that's where I'm at. The, there is a, there's a barrier to this, which I think comes from the fact that it is Australian comedy. Now, Australian comedy, uh, Australian and New Zealand comedy, has you know, their comedy has evolved ever so slightly in recent years with the introduction of, for instance, Flight the Concords, Reese Darby, Taika Waititi, talents like that. So the fact that Rachel House turns up in this movie should tell you an awful lot about where the tone of it's going to yeah. go and Rachel House obviously turned up in of all things turned up in Thor Ragnarok at one point but she's in films like uh, Hunt for the Wilder People and things like that so you know sort of where you're going the performances in this particularly the two leads from Sophie Hawkshaw and Zoe Tarakas I think are really good I think they're really yeah. very good and I think uh, Hawkshaw in particular who obviously gets the lion's share of the screen time gets a sort of a Beanie Feldstein in a booksmart kind of a thing going she's the overachieving you know smart ass nerd but she's still kind of likable I, I thought this was great i think in terms of like what you were saying about the sort of it's a bit basic i think to be honest though that is a lot of that is that's the aesthetic of australian indie cinema and you go back yeah. to things like even as far back as things like uh, uh what's the, muriel's wedding is what i'm thinking of muriel's wedding looked and felt like this when you look back on it now yeah but that's 20 odd years ago 25 right? years ago yeah but it does have some there is something about it that has that sort of kind of a everyday charm to it and I like that about it especially with how you know out there the concept is the concept by the way is worth a film on its own because I, mm. I think I can't believe it took this long for someone to effectively do it's the ghost of gayness past yeah. love it love it worth the movie just for the concept but uh, alas let's let's talk about the movie that we know everyone who reads the guardian is going to see this weekend let's yeah. let's talk about the father then bex oh my goodness so this is this is like your trip to the cinema if you need an acting masterclass is basically what you need to see this is an adapted this is adapted from a play this is the movie that that basically gave anthony hopkins the best actor Oscar, which obviously everyone was like, where did that come from? Or come Oscar night when everyone thought that, um, you know, we, we were going to give it to, you know, I did departed um, fantastic star of... Uh... It, was, uh, it was an owed win, though, wasn't it, in his case? Because I think we all expected Chadwick Boseman to get it posthumously. But with Anthony Hopkins, every couple of years, Hopkins does get nominated for stuff that you know he's not going to win for. We all knew he wasn't going to win an Oscar for The Two Popes. Yeah. This kind of had that feel of it, he was owed one. But having said that deserved absolutely well deserved because it, so he basically plays a, an 80 year old man also called anthony um who is defiantly rejecting his carers that are put upon him by his long-suffering daughter played by the other oscar nominated actress in this particular year olivia coleman um and he believes that he can just still continue living his life. However, what we watch is his memory and grip on reality starting to unravel, which in itself just makes this absolutely heart-wrenching. Date of birth? Friday, 31st of December, 1937. Friday? Yes. You're living with your daughter at the moment, is that right? Yes, until she goes to live in Paris. No, Dad, why do you keep going on about Paris? What? I'm staying in London. You keep changing your mind. How do you expect people to keep up? Well, there's never been any question of me living in Paris. Yes, there was. You told me. No, I didn't. I'm sorry, Anne. You told me the other day. Have you forgotten? She's forgotten. You're starting to suffer from memory loss. I'd have a word with the doctor if I were you. In any event, I'm not going to Paris. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Paris. They don't even speak English there. Normally, and I say normally, I have a problem when a when a play is converted into a movie because I feel like it lacks the 
cinematic feel of taking us to different sets and different locations and and all that kind of stuff like fences is a great example of that you know which really frustrated mm, me you're just yeah. you're in one place the entire time and i was like well i should have just gone and seen this on the stage i didn't find that with this we are just in his apartment for the majority of this movie but there's sequences of people coming in and out which are making you question is that the real person or is that something that's going you know are we now experiencing what's going on in Anthony's mind how are we viewing this and I think that was such a clever kind of way and obviously that that may well be how they did it in the play as well but to be fair it worked cinematically as well but this is a this is a film for the performances and this is actually this is a yeah. film for one performance this is a film for and it's got great acting we've got Imogen Poots in this as well um, but as well as Olivia uh, Colman, Olivia Williams, Olivia Williams we actually get both Olivia's in this one yeah and Rufus Sewell is in this as well but it is Anthony Hopkins's movie yeah. and he's a tour de force in this like it's heartbreaking it's um funny at times where you're laughing a little bit through gritted teeth at what's going on um and you're kind of going i shouldn't be laughing at this because i know it's not it's not really funny but it it is and that's the the great balance that that the director has brought from this i oh god i love this film I, I, first of all, I, I love it, yes. I'm going to make a quick confession to you. I told you I had a confession on this yeah. one. Uh, I watched this during the LFF this past year. I was like in the middle of the week, in the middle of loads of other films. And to be honest, I didn't care for it. I came away and went, you know what, performances are good, but I don't really rate the film. I watched it again recently. And this was after the Oscars. You know, this is after I, I'd, you know, lost out. I lost the bet because of, uh, literally, the father ruined my Oscar bets. Um, <laughs> I would have bowled a perfect game if I'd just watched the father again, evidently. How much did you lose? When I watched it the second time, I loved it. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. I think it's a far cleverer movie than I thought it was. I like that it plays equally as a straight drama about mm. Alzheimer's. You can just watch this as a straight drama about, you know, a man's deteriorating mental state, in which case, you know, it is it's so well done that it's heart-wrenching. But at the same time, there is something of a fantastical thriller element in there that's yeah. incredibly well-conceived. The cinematography and the production design of it, particularly its use of colour, there is a very, very mm. clever use of colour in this. Yeah. so that different colours represent different things and you can actually tell what's going on in a scene by just what colours you can see. And I love that about it. But I, I really love the way that they interchange they interchange actors, they interchange locations. I like the way that the flat changes periodically. Yeah. Yeah. Like the quality of the flat and the scale of the flat shifts dependent on it's his It's all very state. subtle, isn't it? Mm. It's all very subtle. And so it actually demands you don't notice. a second watch because you probably didn't notice. There's a lot mm. of things you didn't mention. I was like, I didn't really notice that. But I, oh, okay, I'm going to give it a second watch. But also the sound editing on this and yeah. the soundtrack is the, the the cello that you hear throughout. Like there's everything about this is expertly thought through. Yeah. And I think that's the key to it. And I think it only did pick up the one award or did it? No, oh, no, no, it got, it got best adapted, best adapted screenplay for yeah. Florian Zeller's uh, play. But he's got two other plays because the next one's got Hugh Jackman in it. That's called The Sun. Right. Gotcha. Well, so look, we've got that to come. We've got that to come. We've got that to look forward to. But right now, to be honest, if this is a pick to say, go to the cinema to see something, immerse yourself in this movie because, you know, Sir Anthony Hopkins, he's 83 now. He's not going to be doing movies for that much longer. I, I wish he would, but this, like, there's one moment I just have to quickly point out. It's just go on. Anthony Hopkins looking out of a window, pensively thinking about something and then responding is one of the most incredible pieces of acting you'll ever see. 
he, he really is. I mean, put it this way: having sat through the father twice, I'm 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 inclined to forgive him for Transformers: Age of Extinction. Oh no, it's Transformers: The Last Night, wasn't it? Well, the one where he shows me, "You want to know? Don't you, dude?" That one. I, I, I'll forgive him that now, just because this was that good. I, honestly, I'm blown away by. It. I don't think this is the one you should go and see because see anything in the cinema this week. Go and see Nobody. Absolutely, Where's everybody needs to see Nobody. But this, absolutely great second place. Welcome back to Off Screen. We are now moving from the cinema to the comfort of your couch and we're bringing you all of your movies on TV in a whistle-stop tour of around 10 minutes. So stick with us. We're going to kick off on Saturday the 12th, uh, which is uh, on BBC Two. at in- Wow, this is late, 11.40pm. We've got Chiritual Edgefor in some rather kinky boots. Um, this is a fantastic <laughs> movie, isn't it? Um, this is one that obviously lots of people recognise because you've seen it's been transferred onto the stage so Sorry, i think now it's it's more of a more known for the west end musical now than the actual yeah. but I, I know that the story the true story is like a beloved thing is it northampton i think it's in northampton yeah it's yeah. a beloved like local legend this story of in northampton yeah it's, it's a basic it's, it's a story of is it a cobbler do we call him a cobbler there is there is uh, like a factory they make shoes yeah. they're going under i think the 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 man the, the old who owned the factory uh, passes away his son inherits the factory the son is a, a then relatively unknown uh, Joel Edgerton, incidentally, yeah. um, who meets a who you know the company's going under. He has a chance encounter with a Soho drag queen named Lola, uh, <laughs> played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, um, and Lola issues him the ultimate way that he can save his company, which is you know what? Why don't you make bright red boots for drag queens? What do you think? Burgundy, please. God, tell me I have not inspired something burgundy. Red. Red. Red! Red! Charlie boy! Rule one! Red! It's the colour of sex! Burgundy is the colour of hot water bottles! Red! It's the colour of sex and fear! and danger and signs that say do not enter all of my favorite things in life this is you know the brilliance about this and obviously it is based on true stories you have two completely different worlds bringing those together is that juxtaposition you never saw coming and to be honest i never saw chew at all edge of wearing such high heels and such elegance but that is kinky boots on saturday night uh on bbc2 at 11 40 p.m press the record button for that and watch it at your leisure because it is on quite late sunday bbc2 11 p.m another late one the big sick talk us through this one van because you're a big fan of this i'm not so much Oh, I love The Big Six. The Big Six, which is uh, directed by Parks and Recreation uh, creator uh, Michael Showalter, I believe his name is. Um, this is based on a true story, would you believe? This is actually based on the true story of how Kumail Nanjiani and his now wife, Emily Gordon, uh, got together. Which is, and, and here we have a sort of fictionalised retelling of it. He is the stand-up comedian who meets a girl who's played on played here by uh, Zoe Kazan. Uh, Emily Gordon and Kumail have actually written the film as well. So, you know. It's literally their story. And uh, she, I forget which medical condition she has, a short time into their dysfunctional relationship, she goes into a coma and he is left with her parents. Despite the fact that they were sort of on the verge of a breakup at the time, the parents rock along and sort of just take him in. And he, it's basically while you were sleeping, but it's 21st century racial humour 
in the United States. It, it's There's nothing not to love about this. Um, I thought this had a great supporting cast, including uh, the likes of Ray Romano and Holly Hunter, I thought were very, very good. Playing against type as well. I mean, Ray Romano playing that sort of, you know, salt and pepper, you know, sexy dad type. I thought it was... Whoever came up with that, genius. This yeah. feels like something that, at the very least, has like Judd Apatow on as an exec producer or something. Has that very offshoot of a Judd Apatow kind of a vibe going for it. Doesn't have the full flavor of something like Funny People or yeah. a One Train Wreck or anything like that. But it's close enough. But I think it's a superb demonstration of just how talented Kumail Nanjiani is. I think he's very funny, very likable in this. Um, Zoe Kazan a little less so, but mm. I think that's a lot to do with the character dynamics within the story. But I think it, I think it's really something. I think it, especially for people of mixed heritage, you know, living in a Western country, I think there's a lot of humor in here that you will relate to personally i did put it that way yeah, yeah, there's a, yeah. a list there's a list of arranged marriage candidates that really had me howling with laughter at one point yeah i think i must have been the only person out there that really didn't love this movie so i'm not going to give much of an opinion because i don't think it really counts it just didn't float my boat and that's fine well, you know sometimes well luckily happens. i know you love the next film so i'll let I you do. tell us about air force one then who doesn't love air force <laughs> one i mean come on <laughs> I want to see you. Hold your hands up. Um, it's on Channel 5 at 10pm on Monday. And, you know, Harrison Ford, it's kind of Harrison Ford in his heyday. He's obviously the president of the United States of America, travelling home from Moscow on Air Force One. There's a bunch of journalists also on the plane. And obviously, mm -hmm. they you think they've been vetted, but some of them are, I suppose, you know, just not assassin spies, really. But they're there to take down Air Force One. But who can save the day? Of course... He puts his hat on, and Harrison Ford, the president, is the one that gets saved. Coleman. No. Oh, no! No! Please help! No. I have no choice. You have the choice. Leave her alone. This is between you and me. You lose a child, it hollows you out. We're soldiers. Take my life. If you know honor, I'll count to five. No! It's gonna be no One. It's gonna be right. Two. I'll do it. I almost feel like this movie would work better now than it would have 25 years ago. <laughs> the idea of Russians hijacking Air Force One with the president on board. Except, you know, if they did it a year ago, he'd have probably just yeah. welcomed them, welcomed them, and given them scones. But, uh, right, okay. I was just First thinking, of all, like, what if Matt Stone and Trey Parker did Air Force One? <laughs> oh, it would be the one for the Trump era. Um, before I get into the fact that, I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get into the facts. I've said it often enough. This is Donald Trump's favourite movie, he claims. Um, which is one interesting piece of trivia. But uh, have you looked at the cast list for this recently? Because uh, I feel like that's a conversation all in its own. Just to reveal the moment. Gary, Gary Oldman is the villain, but porting cast on this that's really... So, first of all, Glenn Close as the vice president. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul Guilfoyle as the chief of staff. So, uh, Brass from uh, Brass from CSI. Xander Berkeley, William H. Macy, Dean Stockwell, Jürgen Proschnow. My, Jürgen Proschnow. Imagine having Jürgen Proschnow in your movie and he's like the 12th name on the cast. My God. That's I how good the cast of Air Force One is. 
Exactly. And I love William H. Macy in it as well. He's mm. kind of like, oh, there he is. You kind of want to give him a hug, don't you? Every time you see him on screen, you're like, it's William H. Macy. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, did a, I did a podcast interview with uh, Scott Mendelson uh, recently, and we had a conversation about Air Force One. And he said, oh, there was this moment when you know, so-and-so was revealed to be a, a bad guy. And we're like, what, well, because it's that actor and he showed up. And he went, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's one of the, there's a brilliant moment of typecasting in this. I'm just going to say the name Xander Berkeley again, because everyone who knows who Xander Berkeley is knows exactly what we're talking about. Um, one of those, I'm shocked he was never a mole on 24, but uh, I think he was the only character that wasn't. But Air Force One, it's always a banger, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Let's move on Speaking, to Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday on our Whistle Stop Tour. So, Legend this is on, This is on you to tell me, because I do not remember this movie. Oh, my God. So, I've watched this about a million times. Um, it's on great movies at 4 35 p.m is that right used to be used to be sony they've now changed it so there's great movies great movies classic great movies action what they've done is they've just rebranded the sony channels as great movies interesting okay well mm. this is a great movie so but yeah 4 35 on tuesday so this let me read you the cast of this first and foremost for you we've got brad pitt We've got Julia Ormond. We've got Aidan Quinn. Sir Anthony Hopkins is in this. Henry Thomas as well is in this. And this is the epic of three brothers at the turn of the First World War, growing up, living three very different lives and always coming back together as brothers under the guise of their father, played by Anthony Hopkins. This is your epic rolling landscapes of, I think it's somewhere like Montana. Um, this was Hopkins? This is Hopkins. I had yes. no idea. I'd forgotten that. Why do I remember this as being like King Lear? Sorry. Honestly, this is brilliant. This is such a great film. And it's so, so some people kind of look at this and go, oh my God. And I walk out going cinematic triumph. Absolute cinematic triumph. It will take you to different worlds. They all fall in love with the same woman. It's, oh God, it's brilliant. I'm not going to say anything more. Just watch it. Well, do you know what? I actually, I will watch it at 4.35 on Tuesday, so weirdly in the middle of the afternoon. Um, but considering I, I remember nothing of it, I'm absolutely going to rewatch this because you just sold me on that concept alone. 9pm uh, on Wednesday night on the Paramount Network, meanwhile, we don't even really need to talk about this one for that long. Um, it is Starship Troopers, Paul Verhoeven's absolutely seminal 1997 adaptation, the Robert A. Heinlein novel, uh, starring for the screen, Denise Richards, Casper Van Dien, Jake Busey, and Neil Patrick Harris, I believe, alongside such action legends as Clancy Brown and Michael Ironside. It's even got, what do you call him, Hank from Breaking Bad in there, just to tie this back into nobody, because I can make anything about nobody this week. Um, have you never seen it? Absolutely worth checking that out. On to Thursday, then. Florence Foster Jenkins is on BBC4 at 8pm. Remember this one, Bex? We saw this together. I do. This is like the first one that I think where everyone was like, wow, Hugh Grant can actually do comedy really well. Um, this like, he was a comedian. <laughs> yeah, and it's like okay, so basically, it's Hugh Grant and Meryl Streep, and it's she plays the New York socialite Florence Foster Jenkins, who dreams of becoming an amazing opera singer, but uh, she can't sing. Uh, so it's a really, really tough game. So, um, so I think, uh, well, Hugh Grant basically plays the person that tries to help her through this and it's a very fun funny two hand it, it's a bit i suppose if you like sort of not blithe spirit but that kind of downturn sort of feel to it there's an almost uh, no coward kind of a yeah, vibe it's very for Noel it isn't coward, it? actually that's a good yeah. description it's very no coward but i think great performances lovely dynamic between the two of them as well and yeah just something that i think is on bbc4 at 8 p.m it's an easy watch and definitely mm. worth your time I'm glad you said that because our Friday night pick is decidedly not an easy watch. It is it's, a great watch. It's, one, 
Exactly. I mean, it, it, it was it was an easy sweeper at the Oscars, evidently. It is, yeah. of course, Spotlight that's on 11.20 on BBC Two next Friday night. And this had the you know, a hell of an all-star roster. This was uh, uh, people like uh, Billy Crudder, Mark, uh, uh, Mark Ruffalo. Why am I forgetting names all of a sudden? Rachel McAdams, Rachel Michael McAdams. Keaton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's older Howard Stark? Lev Schreiber. Schreiber uh, John Slattery, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Stanley Tucci's in this. John Slattery, Billy Crudup. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The this, was the, this was this... the hard hit that the Academy had to awkwardly acknowledge starred a, a roster of people entirely made up of comic book movie alumni or comic book movie veterans, which I thought was just hilarious. It is the story, of course, of how the Boston Globe outed, finally broke the story of the, the litany Abuse. of sex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, litany of sexual abuse being committed by the Catholic Church, leading to, of all the Oscar moments, this one. Barron told us to get law. This is law. Barron told us to get the system. We need the full scope. That's the only thing that will put an end to this. Now let's take it up to Ben. Let him decide. We'll take it to Ben when I say it's time. It's time, Robbie. It's time. They knew, and they let it happen to kids. Okay? It could have been you. It could have been me. It could have been any of us. We got to nail these scumbags. We got to show people that nobody could get away with this. Not a priest or a cardinal or a freaking pope. When we come back, we're going to be talking about everything you can watch on your home end and video on demand. So stick with us here on Off Screen. Welcome back for one last ride off screen. I'm going to start by taking you down the virtual, well, not necessarily have to be virtual now that uh, society is slowly starting to return, but you know, it can be virtual if you want it to, DVD and Blu-ray aisle, where this week there's a nifty little trio of, of offerings in there, one of which I've not seen and we never got to review, but we did get to talk about Godzilla vs. Kong, so we have got that going for us, Bex. Did you, did you enjoy Godzilla vs. Kong? I How loved it, and I was did like, because we watched this, I think it was on like Prime or something, and I was like, I want to see this on the big screen. Yes. Like this is this is this was what I was hoping they'll re-release it on the big screen. But you can still enjoy this on DVD and Blu-ray. I mean it's the ultimate battle, isn't it? You want to see what happens when they when these two titans come against each other and and basically fight it out and the storyline can do one because that's all I want to see really <laughs> storyline can do I would argue there is story to this I mean some of it doesn't yeah. quite make sense I don't care <laughs> I, say, I, I thought this was a lot of fun and I think as, as far yeah. as the, the, the concept goes I think they did a very good job I did not expect Godzilla vs. Kong to be anywhere near as good as it was because it, it's a Godzilla vs. Kong movie how good could it possibly be um, I do think uh, you know I, I think it's going to keep finding its audience because it keeps getting you know watched by everyone and everywhere except cinemas but it did make decent money in the States it's got spectacle it's got scope I think uh, uh, what's his name guest director Adam Wingard uh, did a pretty good job helming this yeah. he's pretty faithful i think to elements of the previous directors of this series i think he does borrow and respect and adhere to parameters set by uh, uh jordan voigt roberts on kong skull island gareth edwards on 2014's godzilla uh godzilla king of the monsters role which i think was michael doherty uh, so he's he's kind of respectful and mindful of the fact that he is the fourth director to come along in this franchise yeah, yeah totally. and i think he still manages to inject enough originality into it it feels like its own thing stylistically but it still has adherence to others and also i, I kind of liked the human cast i liked the fun i, I liked the the big monster theatrics the, the ocean battle i thought was absolutely brilliant yes yeah, yeah that was amazing but i was like the millie bobby brown sort of 
every time it cut to her and what was going on there, Richie's I was like, oh, yeah. just don't, I just don't need this. I just need Godzilla and Kong fighting it out and destroying cityscapes. That's all I need. Although, although we did learn that Julian Dennison has had a puberty glow up. We did learn that from it. So that okay. kid will be that that kid will be a bona fide college age hunk in about five years. You watch. Uh, meanwhile, also out uh, on the reading Blu-ray is SAS Red Notice, which again this is the one we didn't get to see or watch. This yeah. is a kind of a direct DVD style actioner that stars uh, what's his name? Hewan, um, uh, Michael Hewan, whatever Sam from. Hewan. Sam Ewan from from Outlander. I think don't, he's in don't, this. I don't not know his name. He's he's the lead in Outlander. Every lady out there who's watched it will be swooning at the thought. Yeah, of my him. my mother included. Uh, also Ruby Jamie, Rose. Jamie Fraser. Oh God! Don't don't even like to break it to my mum the other day that the next season of Outlander won't be out until next year. What? I thought she was going to choke me in my sleep. Uh, oh my God! I might be the second person to choke you in your sleep. That is outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, this this got a, a brief sort of digital release, I think, a few weeks ago. It's now on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, alongside Ammonites, which I think we watched as part of the LFF, you and I, didn't we? This was... Uh, this was... Uh, uh, Francis Lee's latest uh, effort, director of God's Own Country. Yeah. And I thought to myself as I was watching it, not today, Satan. Not today. <laughs> I didn't. I was so bored. I couldn't form a thought that engaging or interesting. To be honest, this is uh, the story. Is it Mary Anning, the uh, the famous uh, pale- is she a paleontologist? Who cares? But and, and the relationship that didn't happen that the movie explores this uh, LGBT friendly relationship between her and Saoirse Ronan, who is the daughter of a prominent man who uh, leaves her there to sort of learn the craft. Uh, to be perfectly honest, the film's dire. I, I thought this was just boring waffle about two people exchanging you know looks across a room this film right has more pauses in it the awkward pauses in it than made in chelsea and then oh. it, thinks it's gonna, it thinks it can redeem itself by putting a very awkward and explosive lesbian love scene at the end which doesn't sort of you know set fire to your loins it just makes you want to walk out it's a bit oh it's awkward Right, I'm, I'm just going to say that aside from one, a fleeting, the fleeting inclusion of one specific sexual act, it's not really an explosive sex scene at all. I mean, my cousin, was it, uh, was it my cousin, not my cousin Rachel, which was the Rachel Vice Jewish lesbian drama recently, last couple of years, uh-huh. with Rachel McAdams? That had a, a more explosive sex scene. This just felt like, okay, we... Uh, we're losing the people people not wearing cardigans. Well, yeah, I mean, Show them a nipple. But that point, that point, we'd all flatlined. Right? <laughs> and so... By that point? By that point? That's how long it took you to flatline? To be oh, honest yeah. with you... I've been it... dead for hours in this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, 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 the, minute, the minute this started, you're five minutes into this film and you're sort of thinking... Okay, yeah, I could have called this the minute Francis Lee's name got included because every critic was falling over themselves to try and fillet God's Own Country when it came out. And it's just the same thing again. Hey, hey, Francis, I'll tell you what, you know, for your uh, for, for the hat trick, I mean, maybe try skipping it and not doing yet another gay romance drama. I mean, is there anything else in the tank or this all you got, pal? I thought it was dull. I thought it was beyond dull. I thought it was turgid. It's dull and it's great. The, yeah. the, the look and feel of it is great as well. And it's, guys, it's a film about rocks, okay? <laughs> like, polishing rocks. Polishing rocks. If that doesn't deter you, I don't know what does. Like, don't look at the all-star cast of Saoirse Ronan and Kate Winslet. 
they were just taking the money and running. And actually, they didn't have to do a lot. They just had to stare quite a lot. So can we move on, please? Because this is doing my head. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, streaming next week is... Uh... Well, first of all, we've got two big releases next week, and they are both... Uh, well, one is entirely on streaming, and the other is going to be streaming and cinemas. But before that, on uh, Tuesday the 15th, uh, we've got the 2010 remake of The Karate Kid with, with uh, Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith. I almost said Will Smith there. Um, now, obviously, I don't like this movie, but it is worth pointing out the existence of it, because... In the last couple of years, we've had a number of people discover Cobra Kai, who've then gone back and revisited and discovered the original Karate Kid trilogy. And in some cases, thanks to Sony slash great movies, the next Karate Kid as well. So please, please give me Hilary Swank turning up in Cobra Kai at some point because we need it. Um, this is obviously a remake hilariously mistitled because the kid doesn't actually learn kung fu at all uh, it doesn't learn karate at all it learns kung fu but uh, very very different things but uh, say it's there if you want to watch it if you're a completist it's there you know it's, it's like the robocop remake if you want to see it it's out there but i don't recommend that you do uh on netflix on friday the 18th uh, and on disney plus premiere access on friday the 18th oh this is the are, kevin Hart one well, Netflix have got the Kevin Hart one and Disney have got the Pixar one. So, okay. on Netflix, you can see Fatherhood, which kind of looks like uh, Jack and Sarah slash Jersey Girl for Ooh. Kevin Hart. So, he oh. is he's the, the single father. I think his wife dies in childbirth. Right. And he is left to 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 effectively bring up a baby, uh, which I think we flash from what I've gleaned from the marketing from the trailer. We flash forward a few years, and it is the Jersey Girl stage with him as sort of the Ben Affleck. Brilliant. Well, I, I quite like that. You know, I love um, Jack and Sarah, so um, that's a great film. Rich D. Grant, Samantha Mathis, brilliant. Mm. Um, so anything that follows that kind of format, I think, could work. Everyone loves Kevin Hart, so. Um, well, Some critics most... don't seem to. What do I we do. know? <laughs> yeah, what do we know? They love I, mean, I saw them though. shaving off a star before they'd even seen secret, either Secret Life of Pets movie just because they discovered Kevin Hart was the rabbit. Oh, for goodness sake. Go back and watch Ammonite and re-watch it again and tell us it's not crap. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so we can and, have more five-star reviews in the Telegraph. No thanks. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to this one. Actually, are we gonna? Should we? Are we gonna do a proper review of this next week? We will give we this are. one a proper review next yeah, week. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've got a screener for it, but it's embargoed, so we can't. Even if I had watched it, we wouldn't really be able to talk about it. So it's kind of embargoed. But um, on on uh, Disney Plus Premier Access. Uh, access? Access. I said access. Access. Then, it? Access. Yeah. Uh, next Friday, and also in cinemas, is Luca, which is this is uh, the latest Disney Pixar movie described as you know a young boy's journey in the you know on a, sea, a seaside resort in the Italian Riviera. The voice cast on this includes the likes of Jack Dylan Grazer, Jacob Tremblay, and Maya Rudolph, which makes me very excited for this because I love Jack yeah. Dylan Grazer. I just watched Shazam with Mariam. Uh, Oh, I love Shazam. And he's yeah, he's the the best friend, isn't he? In the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I said to her at the time, this this kid I genuinely think is the new Fred Savage. Like he's just waiting for the right vehicle. I think he's the new Fred Savage. Jacob Tremblay, you know, his star is yeah. forever risen after Room, if we're honest. Exactly. But uh, so I'm and looking forward to seeing one, this. What's the one that Jacob Tremblay was in? Is it Bad Kids or something? Good Boys. But, Good boys, that's it. That's brilliant, that movie. He is yeah. also, he's the voice of Flounder in the live-action adaptation of Little Mermaid that they're doing at the moment. Wow. Okay. 
Well, look, worth a watch. Worth a watch either way. So, so we've got on streaming Karate Kid, Fatherhood, and Luca all coming up uh, next week. Um, that's it for another action-packed week from us here. I'm at just going to say again, I am very disappointed upon discovering that Luca was written by Jesse Andrews. That it's not the adult film actress turned fashion entrepreneur Jesse Andrews. It's in, in fact, it's a dude. So that's that's, that's a disappointment. Would have really loved to have seen a Disney Pixar movie written by an ex-porn star. But uh, until they I give Diablo been. Cody work, I guess we're not going to know. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's a pretty interesting end to a week at any rate. Yeah, I was going to say I would have liked to have ended on a high, but you've just ended it with disappointment. So we'll, 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 we'll avoid that. Um, but guys, I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. We've obviously had a blast. Do not watch Ammonite. Definitely watch Air Force One. And if you can, learn something new via 69, the saga of D- D- Danny Hernandez. Um, I thought you were going to tell people to learn something new with 69. There. I was like, you can't. <laughs> really going to be taken out of context, I think. I ran that on as a full-on sentence in itself to avoid that, but thanks anyway, man. <laughs> um, but we'll be back next week with some great movies to tell you all about, um, including In the Heights and also Fatherhood, which is out uh, in cinemas and also on Netflix, respectively. So stick with us. But for now, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor, and we shall return. <laughs> <laughs>